I wonder if he heard your uh, your comment, buddy. <laughs> Which one? Diving into my mom. What's up, everybody? This is Josh coming to you with another episode of the Affiliate Marketing Show. Please be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to stay up to date on all the latest affiliate marketing news, tips, and trends. Per usual, myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, the number one affiliate marketing aggregator in the industry, taking care of all of your affiliate marketing needs. We also have Mr. Paper Call himself, Adam Young, as well as the best Kimbo Slice lookalike you've ever seen, Chad King, plus Alex Micole. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He'll correct me or won't correct me in a second. No, the good. We're good. The CEO and founder of Scalers, an agency that will take your revenue to new heights with their 10 years of experience in paid advertising and content creation skills. What's up, Alex? Thanks for coming on the show. Damn. Thank you, guy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so it is pronounced, it is Mikol, yeah? Yeah, as you want. Michael, Mikol. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh, let's dive right into it. Myself, Adam, and Chad, we were not in uh, Spain this past week for Affiliate World Europe, but I know you were, and I know you were heavily involved from what I saw on your Instagram, as well as the promotion that AWE did themselves. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the show this year, some highlights that really stuck out to you, as well as what your involvement was with the show itself. Yeah, I love the show because for me, um, I didn't go to college, but I did go to AW when I, and I started going when I was 18. Now I'm 26. So I graduated from AW. I think every year I go because I always learn something new. I have a lot of friends in the space and that's, that's the only thing I attended in the past eight years. Uh, so it changed my life. I will say it forever. Um, I know tons of people in the space and I always meet new cool people. I learn about interesting facts. I meet new brands. So there's always something new that comes out of it. Um, so whether it's Barcelona, Bangkok, or Dubai. By the way, I'm not paid to promote it. Uh, but I just simply love the show. And yeah, it was a good year as well. Because again, it's it's such a unique space we are in. Like I don't think people get it from the outside. Like Only if you're an affiliate and you go to the show, you truly understand what it means to attend these shows. Cause if you're in dropshipping or SMMA, there's no such thing as this conference where you go there and you have friends from all over the world and you make a bunch of money online and you get to party in the best clubs. Like I think Affiliate World did, it, it did such a unique job in getting people together as, as well as Affiliate Summit, but it just feels like different. It has a different touch to it than Affiliate Summit. So yeah. Um, I think you so you've, been, if, you've been going for eight yeah. years. So what do you look to get out of it now? Like when you're attending these conferences, I know you speak there and I want to hear how that went as well. So that's, you know, an incentive for you to attend to actually show up and speak. But when you're not speaking, what is it that you're actually looking to get in terms of like value for your company, for yourself and for your brand? Yeah, it changed. So I, I was going there always with the intent to meet certain companies, in this case, affiliate uh, networks in person to establish relationships with them so that I could connect with them and perhaps get better deals that I wouldn't if I stayed home in my little room doing all my geeky stuff. But going in field and just talking to people would always kind of create this bridge between me and, I don't know, unknown territories, unknown territories and solid offers that I could run. 
and also you you end up meeting someone that introduces you to someone else and you know it's like a chain and you always end up meeting people that you would never expect to meet so at first i would go with this intention then i kind of got comfortable because i started knowing many people in the industry there's always someone new coming but at some point we all are pretty busy right and we're busy doing the things we're doing so it became more like a fun trip for me to attend and meet my friends and maybe bounce into someone that I would really um, know and maybe work with them. But recently I had a different purpose to it because I started speaking, as you said, and for me, I'm all about building community right now, that, uh, a community right now. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm doing more content. I have my community and, and so on. So there is a different purpose to it. So I felt hunger again, back in a game in a different and I still end up meeting solid brands that I might be working with and launching video sales letters for that's my specialty to a lot of YouTube ads and Facebook ads. So you never know. But just by going there and being at the right place at the right time, it's the difference. So for me, uh, I can't, I, I, I see myself going for the next foreseeable future. Yeah, I saw. And like I said, I know you spoke at the show and you do a lot of speaking at different events around the world throughout the year. So at AWE this past week, what were some of the key topics that you really hammered home with the audience that was listening? What were maybe a few good questions that you got from the audience that you thought or think would be very valuable for our viewers to also hear the answers to? Mm. Well, uh, yeah, I had a panel where I had to ask a bunch of questions around Facebook ads. I feel like it's uh, pretty much always the, the usual, usual stuff and speaking to people that heavy hitters on Facebook ads, they all say the same thing that is worth maybe repeating, which is go broad, focus on creative, and let the algorithm do the heavy lifting for you. Uh, no one messes anymore with targetings. No one messes anymore with um, a specific interest in campaigns. Everyone goes broad. Everyone just focuses on the creative. And that's the best thing uh, that you can do and where to invest your energies in. So, yeah, that's that was my panel. I didn't really give a talk this time. Um, usually would speak about YouTube ads, uh, but yeah, I guess the same topics are the same. Everything still works. Nothing really died down. It's more a matter of your creators as usual. And yeah, I think that like the really valuable, the main thing you get out of this conference is connections. So if you don't know who to work with, if you want to find a breakthrough, if your campaigns are not scaling is either two things, whether your ad sucks or you don't have the right offer. So if you go there, at least you can, you know, cross one out and you find better offers and then you just focus on understanding how to make better creators. And that's where I preach. Yeah, I, I did give a talk, but outside of AW and it was only around video sales letters. Um, that's something that is popping off lately, although they've been around for a very long time, which essentially are longer format ads, um, these video sales letters. And, and yeah, that makes all the difference between making million dollar campaigns or just flopping. So I have a question for you. And before I ask it, I'd like to reiterate, I love that you're going to keep going to conferences, even though you've established yourself in the industry. I know we just met today, but I've been going to conferences for more than 15 years now. And there we go. I mean, I, at first it was an affiliate and then it was as an advertiser and now as a technology platform. And it's just an amazing way to meet people and find opportunities and stay on top of the pulse of the industry. And so anyone that's in affiliate marketing or performance marketing that isn't going to trade shows is making a mistake. I've never had a single trade show that I've gone to that didn't pay for itself in a really amazing way um, at yeah, any point in my career. Yeah, they're just... 
they're just so valuable. So my question for you, and I haven't been an affiliate for ever, like more than 10 years, uh, but we have a lot of clients that use YouTube to drive traffic. I'm curious what some of your YouTube strategies are or what you've learned recently about YouTube. It just has an immense amount of inventory and um, it, it has so much opportunity. I'm just really curious what your thoughts and strategies are for like kicking off a campaign on YouTube um, or or just anything around sure. what you're seeing uh, on the platform today. Sure. So funny you said, uh, just to add something on what you said, that when you go to a show, there is always, it's always ROI positive, let's say. My first my first conference, I, I think I made $10,000 in profits back then with affiliate marketing. I put $3,000 in a trip to Las Vegas. And the same week, I reached my first 10K day profit in a single day while at the show. So because oh, I yes. finding the right products. And I could remember refreshing my, my dashboard on volume and just the sales were spiking. So yeah, there is always something out of it. Um, in terms of YouTube ads, uh, the juicy stuff, um, yeah, I've been doing YouTube ads for the past three to four years, something like that. And it's my absolute favorite platform out there because it was so stable, so easy to run, so easy to copy paste things that it doesn't, it's not so heavy to load like the ad manager on Facebook, just so convenient. Um, and I've been running long format ads for the past three to four years. So by long format, I mean 10, 20 minutes plus beyond even an hour of video ads. Right now, being so involved with YouTube, uh, we talk to Google pretty frequently, and they said that they're pivoting to shorter con shorter ads, so ads that are no longer than eight minutes, um, meaning that they're going to penalize any ad that is longer than eight minutes. We heard that before also if you upload any video longer than three minutes on YouTube. YouTube itself, the, Google itself will tell you that videos above three minutes tend to underperform compared to shorter ones which is absolute nonsense because we were able to, for the record, we spent one to two million dollars a month on YouTube ads since three, four years. So it's been stable um, and I'm not, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but now we did see a decrease in performance and nothing is really like working as well as before. It's still working and the long format videos are still working. So right now uh, for us, it's uh, time to pivot to shorter ads and it's working. I mean, it's not like the end of it. It's always changing the industry. So, you know, one strategy strategy works for a while, then you always need to find a, something new. So right now, basically, we are, we're finding traction in creating like leads, shorter ads that are then directing traffic to a VSL page. So the video sales letter is not uploaded as an ad on YouTube itself, but people are going to watch like a, a one a minute, like a minute or two. Um, and then click on the button and go to the VSL page. Nothing new. Um, at the same has, time, we're also trying to... Has your strategy you. changed for from how you make the long-form video that was uploaded to YouTube to the short-term video? Like, are you making sure that there's more curiosity in your hooks to try and get them to click versus just walking them through like a 40-minute video? Like, what's the evolution of your hook to get them to click versus watch? Yeah, so you're competing with lower CPMs when you try shorter ads because just there's more in inventory for YouTube, and and yeah, and you need to compete with a higher CPR to make up for you know this extra friction that you're creating. Because before we could make short ads work because I don't know they, they work for us. Then we uploaded the long video ad because we were we were like, why 
creating a bridge if you can just upload the ad on, on YouTube. And then boom, yeah. it blew up. Uh, so that was, that was fantastic. Um, seems like those days are slowly over on YouTube. Uh, and on, by the way, on Facebook, it still works. Like we still run long 40 minute DSLs on Facebook. Apparently, they're going to change there too, but for now, there's no sign and it's going well. Um, but yeah, it's more about finding better hooks. And also at the same time, we're still trying to use as much as we can the eight minutes um, that we have at our disposal, but we still didn't see great success with that. So I, I still didn't have a $100,000 day with shorter ads, unfortunately. And I had multiple uh, days with uh, long form of that, unfortunately. So let's see how that's going to go. But I'm not worried because, you know, I see a lot of people in the lead gen industry and other industries doing it super well, even in the supplement space. That's something that I run a lot. So I'm not, I'm not worried, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a matter of cracking the um, better hooks with lower CPMs, more traffic, and then just driving them to the DSL. The DSL or the DSL page doesn't really change because if it works, if it worked before, there is no reason why it wouldn't work after. Perhaps the hook should be like, uh, you should it should be a continuous flow for the user so that the, the user doesn't watch the ad once, gets on the DSL page and rewatches the first minute that he saw on YouTube. That will be pointless. So continue the DSL from that starting point. Um, that's that's yeah, ideal. I think, I think what you're saying is is really interesting. You know, in paper call, we have a significant number of clients. I don't even know how many that will do five and six figure days off of YouTube, driving consumers to a landing page, getting them to pick up the phone and call. And, you know, I, I love what you're saying here. And I love that you're not dissuaded at all by the changes. Every time there's a change, you know, there's winners and losers. And if you go into it with an open mind, you have a competitive advantage for a period of time until everyone figures out um, the new yeah. way to do it. So I think that's really cool. Um, and we have the uh, advantage, both of us that we're long in the space. So I, I mean, we're both young, but you said you were going, you're going to conference since 15 years. So I'm like you a know, dinosaur in the industry, bro. <laughs> How young are you? How young are you? I'm, I'm 39. Um, okay. But I don't run traffic anymore, right? Like right. I stopped running traffic a long time ago. I, I sell the, uh, the shovel now instead of digging for gold. Right. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. Well, still adapt or die. You know it, and that's always gonna be the case. So there's no point in feeling sad or demotivated. Just it works. Keep working. It doesn't work. Keep working. There's nothing that changes. So what can we do? Yeah. So, so yeah, you were sick, Alex. I'm gonna piggyback off of the VSL topic that you kind of led us into. So what's your process to? Uh, creating a good VSL and maybe what are some of the things that you really attribute to the success of a really well done VSL? So like you're starting from scratch, you got a new offer you want to make a VSL for, what's like the first few steps that you go through? Cool. I just went through these steps just a month ago because I shot a video sales letter for my own product where I'm for the first time the spokesperson. So it's usually always the same. Like it's, it's, you know, if you watch it as a, for a first time, you don't really know what's going on. You kind of understand, but it's really like everything is divided in blocks. To make it very simple, you have a hook, you have uh, an introduction to the topic, and then you have the long form of VSL. You want to break it down further. The hook, we always need a hook for YouTube. It's five seconds long. Usually it's enough because we need to counterattack the uh, skip ads button that appears, that is clickable after five seconds. So how do we do that? We need to um, 
create enough interest in a user to actually continue watching. Basic psychology, nothing new. Just we need to do it in a video format. I always, I don't like to use fear, so I never use fear as a leverage in my in my ads. I know ClickBank loves to do that. All the ClickBank offers are very aggressive. That's not something I like to do. If it comes down to supplement or money, supplements are very easy. You can record any types of food with your phone. It doesn't require any special camera. Anyone at home can do it. While your mom is cooking some food or your girlfriend, you could, I don't know, catch an interesting angle and, I don't know, um, make something interesting out of it. So um, that's that's the hook. Then we need to introduce all the problems that we're going to try to solve and and really have, and ideally have an authority figure that is that functions as a spokesperson throughout the whole video so that people can relate to someone and they can uh, you know listen they have a face they can put a face to the voice that they're listening to so we usually work with for supplements with doctors uh when we when we use to work with financial newsletters we have some traders being in front of the camera and, and kind of like um so to make an example uh, for a doctor, we would speak about health facts and before going further into the problems and the solutions to all the pro- to, to all the to the problems, we would present the authority figure and give the, give them a strong reason why they would even um, want to watch this video. So, who is this doctor? Because um, if I were put in front of the camera to sell supplements, I wouldn't do as good as a job as a doctor because I'm 26, I have a gel in my hair. And I wear a T-shirt, but if you put a doctor that has like you know uh, has the white typical white dress that they they wear is old, has glasses, and speaks in a very flat way and calming way, he would probably sell way more because health is a serious topic, so you need a serious person to sell it, and that's very important. So we need kind of a an actor, but ideally someone that knows what he's talking about to be a function as a spokesperson. Now that we got that out of the way, what do they read? So we need to build a script that is appealing enough for people to um, come up with the idea that whatever we're going to sell at the very end is a good idea for them to buy. So they need to co- we need to convince them on the way. They need to convince themselves that it's a good idea. And our job is just to put all the informations out there that are going um, to be highly relatable to them and going to reason with them in such a way that they're going to be interested in what we have to say because they need to watch the whole freaking video, right? So we're gonna create. We're gonna we're gonna share the the hero journey. How the doctor was able to find this amazing solution. Maybe his own personal um, journey of how he was able to lose a lot of weight. That's even better. So if we have an authority figure that went through it himself, people yeah. can relate. You know, they can see themselves and whoever's talking to them in front of camera. And then presenting the problems. And since we have we want to have a long, we have we have all the time in the world. We can really go deep in each individual problem and not say like, do you want to lose fat and you struggle losing fat? Well, we got a solution for you. No, 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 hold on, wait. Let's stretch this losing fat topic for at least five minutes where we really go into the struggle of each and everyone wants to lose fat. Like us sitting here, we all, all want to be fit. We may or may not like working out so we can go into that and, and speak about all the things surrounding losing fat, health, and, and, and workouts. And then we can go on to the next problem, uh, which is diet. You know, what's the right diet? And we can talk about all the diets in the world and explain why one is better. But nothing is entirely right because you miss this one thing. And that one thing is the, always the open loop, the hook that we're going to use to keep them engaged in video so that they can 
keep watching and we can slowly present all the solutions to all these problems. And, and then magically all the solutions, we pack them up in, 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 in one solution, which is our product. Doesn't matter which one it is. It could be supplements, it could be a community, it could be a course, it could be a gadget, it could be anything. So it's, it's the art of selling. Selling is good. Selling is the way we get through in our life. We were talking about dating before jumping on this call. You know, so it, we need to sell ourselves in, in some way. This is a great way to sell to users that never heard about your brand or what you're trying to sell. Um, so, yeah, essentially, to recap, we need a hook. So we need an authority figure. Once we have that, we need a hook. We need to present a strong problem that people or that people have. Share the hero journey uh, with the spokesperson so they can relate to something. And then really go deep in all the problems, then present all the solutions and structure it in a way that it's easy to digest and using a language that even a kid can understand. Because we need to keep in mind that, you know, all the users are overwhelmed by information. So let's make it absolutely simple. And then at the end, place call to actions and all the gimmicks and the tactics to get them in free trials, money back guarantee and all of that, which by the way, we should keep. So by gimmicks, I say the marketing ABC, like the, the easy steps that you always use. But this is a, there is nothing new. It's all we always practice this even before the video video platform. So if you if you've been long, if you've been around in the industry for a long time, it's nothing different than a landing page, an advertorial. Just your advertorial or your landing page becomes the DSL. The DSL is your advertorial, just in a video format. That's why that, after they watched it, yeah. That's great. You, you obviously have a lot of experience in this and you've narrowed down the specific steps it takes. Uh, how did you kind of get into this space and, and what steps did you take or what influences did you have to kind of uh, zero in your skill set on this, the video sales letter especially, but just on this oh. path of sales? the video sales letter specifically through my partner because he was already working with a solid company he was doing native advertising and he was and we he never tried google ads so i saw in front of my eyes i had this obsession since i was 18. okay quick story i don't want to make it boring i fell into marketing i had a huge passion for cristiano ronaldo so i started building facebook pages and growing them organically i didn't even know what organic meant but i just i was doing share for share Long story short, when I was 15, I had like millions of followers, started making money, and I had to go to the accountant, and he told me that I was doing marketing. I never heard that word before, but I fell into the category for a taxation system in Germany. Then I moved into paid media because I understood there's way more reach if I could pay for ads. And then I fell into this affiliate marketing game when I was 18. I guess five years later, uh, I already knew my partner. I met him at the first conference, go to conferences. If you're watching this and you didn't attend one yet, uh, I met him there and he introduced me five years later to the current partner that we're working with. And I had this obsession that they wanted to be the number one affiliate in the game, or at least that uh, the, the best within my friend group. And then really heard someone doing 50K a day, if not 100K a day. Then I, I saw my partner doing 100K a day and then in front of my eyes, I was, at the, I, was this, I was at this place. And then the campaign just almost died off, like it reduced drastically uh, the day after. So my mission was to make my friend 200K a day with my help. And then we just started working on this. We tried Google Ads for 
about six to eight months trying display, trying YouTube, and nothing would work. And then just we just decided to you know try a longer format ad, upload it on YouTube, and it was literally an overnight success that you know we went from one thousand dollars a day to I think hundred twenty, hundred fifty thousand dollar a day in ad spend in about ten days. Because when you start scaling on YouTube and things work very well, there's the magic. The button that appears, which is limited by budget. And if you click on it, it will recommend you triplicate your budget. It's easy to do it from one to three to nine thousand dollars, but it became scary when it came twenty seven and eighty one thousand dollars after that. But it era was stable and we just kept doing it. So that I I kind of fell into it by trying all sorts of approaches. So that's why I say overnight success. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've seen I've seen some YouTube ads that have um like new YouTube ads that run that have issues specifically around targeting. Do you use like a giant list of channels to like block channels, uh, exclude kids, that type of thing? Or do you just YOLO right on the algorithm and let it burn some cash to learn? So everything that sounds logical on YouTube ads doesn't apply to the end results. So what I'm saying <laughs> is... It, it does make sense what you're saying, like, oh, yeah, you can whitelist, you can create a whitelist of the channels that perform the best, and, and you can do all, all these optimizations of placements, but it doesn't work. Like, every time we try a whitelist, it wouldn't work. The algorithm works in strange ways. So we always leave it open. Uh, we just, um, depending on the product, we can remove some age groups, but we leave the unknown always active because there's so much traffic that if we were to... Uh, deactivate that we wouldn't spend as much. Like we tried this before because we were like, oh, we could squeeze the campaign way more, exclude these placements and these type of content, but nothing works. Like, I don't know, the, the best is always broad. And we did all sorts of tests, uh, but in the end, bro just does it better. The only thing we do is sometimes we place ad schedules and obviously we spend uh -huh. more doing weekends, but it's all we do. So, Anyone that says they're playing with, I don't know what, like complex targetings and, um, you know, whitelists, I would seriously question if they're really spending as much as they say, if they claim they spend so like, a lot by doing these things. Because, again, it's my subjective experience, but also talking to other, let's say, ballers in the space around YouTube ads, it seems to match up. So never heard anyone making it work with, um, how do you say, with uh, any whitelists or so. So At I want to ask, yeah. I want to kind of zoom out a bit and talk about paid advertising from more of a bird's eye perspective here. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you commonly see people making when it comes to paid advertising and content creation? Um, spending too much on things that don't work and falling off with their products and spending too little when they should be spending way more because their ROI is good. So that's generic, uh, what I see, um, um, people are sometimes scared to spend a lot. Like I had this interesting case in my community that one guy, um, he he took the course that I was that I that I have teaching people how to do affiliate marketing from scratch. We met in Dubai, and he showed me his ad account, and he was spending two hundred dollars a day, every single day for like two weeks with solid ROI. And I was like, why are you spending more? <laughs> and then, uh, and he told me that. He would ice skydive a lot for the record. 
Um, and oh, we're gonna we we're gonna come. get to the skydiving. Don't oh, worry okay, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> told me he wants to go skydive with me once he reaches one thousand dollars a day in profits. So I looked at that, that account. And I was like, well, today is Wednesday. What are you doing on Saturday? Because I think by Saturday you're gonna be making that much money. And in fact, he did because it was so clear that he could just triplicate the budgets for like a few days in a row, and one day a day would be just around the corner. And in fact, it was. And, 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 and in some other cases, that's a good story when you find a good product. In some other cases, it's just testing a product way too much, even though your ad doesn't work and you don't see results and kind of falling in love with what you're trying to do and not admitting that maybe it's not good enough and you need to move on or find a different approach for the same product. So that's I have what a, I see. I have a question about your affiliate marketing course that you mentioned. Of all the affiliates that get your course, what percentage of them do you think or would you guess actually like go on to be a successful affiliate where they're making enough money from it that it's like their main job now? Because, you know, I only ask because I know a lot of newbies come into this space. They want to get better at affiliate marketing. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. But a lot of people tend to move on pretty quickly to some something else when they realize it's not maybe as easy as they thought. So from your course and your experience with new affiliates trying to get better, how many do you typically yeah. see like advance and find success in the industry? I just launched a course. So it's very early to say, but I'm going to tell you this. In my community, I already have like, let's say I have like around 200 people right now in the last few months. I never really promoted it. I only promoted it through my Instagram. But I mean, a few good, there are a few good case studies. But I think it's always like a small percentage that uh, is going to make it this far. So this guy is making like, Three to four hundred thousand dollars a month in revenue, not profits. The profits I get from the last thing he told me would be around hundred, hundred fifty, if not two hundred dollars in profit, twenty thousand dollars in profit. Um, I think it's not as easy as people think. In fact, I try to you know put it very like be very upfront about it. You know, it, it takes sweat. Like I have some, I have one guy that bought the course and he said I spent six hundred dollars and only made two hundred dollars back. For me, it's fantastic. It's his first. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds and... great. That means you're having the right <laughs> yeah. And he was like, "Yeah." So, would you say you saw sales right away? I was like, "No, I wouldn't say right away. Only from the second campaign." Well, I'm like, "Well, that's freaking good." I spent one thousand dollars for my first sale, and it was a three dollar lead. So, yeah, the teammate, you know, so, it's a game of losing, you know. So that's why I always say, like, you need a few hundred dollars per week. You need a few thousand dollars on the side and you need to be ready to be comfortable losing money because you're just testing products. So the, the main thing is you need to test enough products and creatives and become good at testing because at first you suck. Like you don't know anything about it. My job is to give you all the things you need to get started and make it very easy, but you still need to walk and run it yourself. Um, percentage, it's hard to tell because it's like, there is also a maturity you know, period where people actually, let's say, um, have enough time. But I did a dinner like in Barcelona after the conference and like 15 people showed up and like 10 were students and they were all doing pretty well. So I, I really, I didn't ask too much about the numbers, but I heard people spending 15K a day or 10K a day, some $1,000 a day, some just started with a few hundred bucks a day and they were kind of break even. And I guess that's why they were all there because they were able to afford the trip and come. The rest is probably still grinding and, and, and hoping to make it work. A lot of people just buy the course and they don't even complete it. 
And a lot of people complete the course and they, and after two days, they wonder why they didn't see sales, but it just takes some time. But without talking about the course too much, um, it's a plug and play system that you can use to just, you know, um, get off the ground and start running. And, and I think it's, there, there are not many people out there that have this knowledge and did a course because 99% of the course, they had one successful campaign and then they dropped the course and made way more money with the course. Well, I, I would consider myself ultra lucky if I made more money with the course and with affiliate because it went so well. So let's see, yeah. inshallah. Hold on a second. I really like what you said there about affiliate marketing. And I talk to a lot of people who have weird expectations about it. Most people don't understand that it's really like drilling for oil. You drill and you drill and you drill and nothing and then you drill and then nothing and then you drill and then nothing and then holy shit <laughs> like it just goes absolutely crazy um, and the thing is the next time you want to drill another oil well right you got to drill and drill and drill and drill and fail and fail and fail and fail um and this was my experience for a really long time you know like it takes like you said a really long time to hone your skills and get good at something and understand platforms and markets and um just like anything in life it's really hard to do. It is a skill. You have to develop it over time. Um, and it's not easy. It's not like you're like, hey, I want to be a doctor. And then 20 minutes later, you're a doctor. No, it takes eight years, right? Like affiliate marketing is the same thing. It There's an am amazing opportunity. It's like the epitome of the American dream. I know you're not American, but like in America, it's like, hey, you can start with nothing and build something amazing, right? Uh -huh. Um but it takes a shitload of work. Like there's, it's not easy money. It takes a ton of work to do it, to replicate it. Um, and I, I always think it's important to talk about those things on the show because a lot yeah. of people are delusional about it. Like if you're going to do it as a career, you have to compete with people who are going to work their asses off. Um, and it's yeah. really important to have those expectations. Question. Did you start with SEO or, or actually... How much money did you spend in paid media to generate your first sale? Do you remember? Uh, that was a really More great. That's a really great question. So I started as an affiliate in my parents' basement in two thousand and six, and so back then I started with lead generation. We weren't actually selling a physical product, and I'll I'll tell the story. So I was going door to door in downtown Detroit selling phone service through bulletproof glass in the winter, uh, like completely broke, completely destitute. And then I would come home at night and try and make money on the Internet doing all sorts of things. And uh, I discovered uh, an old affiliate network. It's gone now. It was called Rocket Profit. And they had a free iPod Nano one field offer that paid $1.25 if you got someone to submit their email address. And so that's the offer I started with. And uh, back then, you could actually run those offers on Google using generic keywords. And so it was a completely different landscape. Cool. Um, yeah. And that's that's where I started. I was spending about $0.90 cents to acquire an email address. And I was able to do it across a whole bunch of generic keywords. And that lasted for a while until Google got better at their targeting and required, you know, more text on landing pages and things like that to have uh, a high quality score. This was right around the time where they were refining quality score. And so, you know, back then it was a, a different game. And then that offer died and I started doing all sorts of 
uh, different lead generation campaigns. And, and I built my business entirely on lead generation. I never really did straight sale um, or anything like VSL. But I stopped doing uh, affiliate and lead generation over uh, about 10 years ago. So, um, you know, even today, it's a, it's a heck of a lot different than when I got into the industry. Mm-hmm. Alex, I have cool. a question for you. I'm looking at yep. your Instagram page right now at Alex Micole. Make sure you give him a follow, guys. Private event with 60 plus e-com ballers in one room. Room moved, moved millions per day. Um, not only will this segue into our next topic, but real quick, Adam likes to hold private events with ballers as well. So I'm just curious. I figured you guys might have some interesting opinions to cross with each other. What's your kind of main objective when you're getting all these ballers in one room? Are you trying to upsell them on a service you're offering or is it really a networking opportunity to get everyone together? No. um, Should I take it? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, do it. Okay. Um, No, I mean, um, so I mentioned a course, but it's not like I I still need to come up with a a pro course, let's say. So my idea of scale is helping the majority of people which are not into field marketing. Now, I just, I like to speak. um, I could speak for hours. I think you can tell a bit that I'm uh, like I'm I, I'm enjoying this talk as well, and if someone my friend asks me like hey I'm hosting this event you wanna you wanna give a talk about YouTube ads and how to scale stuff I was like it's a very short notice if we can you know I if I can just freestyle let's do it and so we did um, I didn't get many objections I mean it was more like uh, people would, would ask me questions and I would like answer them and people. In, in their room, they're all e-com owners, so they do marketing, but they're focused on all the other parts of the business as well. So for them, it was refreshing. That's, that was the feedback uh, to hear someone like myself, which is uh, that I just do affiliate marketing, that um, it was refreshing to hear my opinions around marketing because that's all I do. That's all I care about. So I don't care about retention of customers. I don't care about the suppliers and fulfillment of everything. I, I used to do that in the past at an e-commerce company and I just love just doing marketing so much because it's so much easier. So it, uh, more than objections, I would I would get a lot of questions and, and trying to understand. Okay, maybe the objections, they don't have enough time to think about this shit. And while well, that's all I do. Is cursing okay on this show? Or? Oh, cursing. Yeah. Fuck, cursing's yeah. In, <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Cursing is incredible. All right. All right. Uh, all right. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I love marketing. And, yeah, that's essentially what I had to do. Just pick up my mind. Pick up my mind. Yeah. Adam, any, any thoughts on how that compares to why you do it? Yeah, I think what I noticed there is is he has a mission. And for me, I'm a very mission-driven person. And, you know, at Ringba, for instance, our mission is to help entrepreneurs grow their business. And we focus on paper call, obviously, and building the technology to do that. But when we hold mm-hmm. events, it's it's very fulfilling for me. And the the way I view it is all these entrepreneurs, and we generally have our, our clients come to these events because it's relevant, but you know, at the last event we did, we did running high performance teams, leadership, and hiring. And the purpose of the event for me was to take a bunch of high performance CEOs and get them in an environment where I can shake them a little bit and get them to think differently about how they're doing things, or maybe just help them break through one little thing. And so for 
high performance CEOs and people in the industry, they're so focused on their day to day and the grind and all these other things that sometimes they don't stop to take a deep breath and think about, you know, where some of the deficiencies are in their business. And so the way I approach it and the way I think about it is if I can get these people in a room, get them comfortable, and then create an environment where they might have this brief moment of willingness to think differently, I can get them to consider making a change in their business that will cause um, rapid growth. And I do that through storytelling and I do that through workshopping ideas and by challenging people. Um, And for me, it's the most fulfilling thing I've ever done. I love watching people grow and learn and get better and do all those things. And, And so ultimately, the goal for the events when I do them is personal fulfillment through seeing other people grow. It's a very selfish thing. Like nothing in my life makes me happier um, or more excited than that. And, um, you know, the the results from it when it's really, truly a passion uh, can be absolutely incredible. Like at the last event we did, we got some amazing feedback. People made immediate changes in staff. Uh, One of the people that went to the event 500% scaled their business since, which was only a few months ago, um, by really pushing, by me pushing them and holding them accountable. Um, Another one of my friends and colleagues and clients completely changed their management team after the event, which was just like, for me, Um, but they're, you know, the thing is, if you take high performance people and you get them to make really big changes in their lives, they're usually going to be productive. And then you get to watch this whole thing build and grow. um, And it's just the most amazing experience. And so I I love doing the events. We're going to do a ton more. Uh, It's actually why I'm in Miami, Josh, is we're going to get a place to host. um, And we're going to start hosting monthly and bi-monthly mastermind events, uh, just because Truly, it's been the most impactful and fulfilling thing in my life. And when you help other people grow, it forces you to grow as a person and get yeah. better at what you're doing. Um, and that that to me is just uh, so, so incredible. I, I can't wait to focus more of my energy on it. You probably can hear it. Like, I'm super fucking excited right now just talking about it. Because uh, it just, it, it really means a lot to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Alex, I got one more topic before we let you get out of here. I know it's it's late over there in the mountains of Europe. It's all right. Um, <laughs> you know, I can't help but notice your social media presence and your personal brand. So I want to talk about that real quick. What is like what is the importance of your promoting your personal brand versus the company brand? You know, we actually just had someone on the show not long ago who was like, don't focus on your personal brand. Let other people do it for you. And maybe you share that opinion and maybe I'm, you know, misreading what I'm seeing no. on, on the platforms, but you know, you're you're skydiving, you're cruising on motorcycles, you're boxing, you're what else? You're working on your fitness, traveling, speaking at events, all this stuff I see. And it's so it's so like uh strong, you know. And that's kind of how I know you without knowing you, it's just from your brand that you promote. So what's your take on on that? It's their fitted lifestyle, baby. <laughs> Once you got the campaign rolling, you can pack your bags and enjoy your life. Essentially. So it, it's unintentional at first because I wanted to... What's the biggest goal in my life? My, my biggest goal is to live a dope life. So look back and be like, I've done, I've done it all. I've done all the dope shit that there is out there. So I remember creating this 
a vision board in 2020 when the world was shut down. And I, I, I put so many things in there, including skydiving results and other things. And it was so magic to see how everything became real. And Instagram is just my personal photo, picture, video collection for me where I can just scroll down and be like, oh, shit, back then I didn't do it. So much that I even visualized it. Uh, sorry, I put it, I tattooed it on my arm and says visualize. Um, and, yeah. and, right, nice. and right now, my goal is to share this. So I had this desire always deep in me. I want to build a brand. I want to build a community. And I didn't know how because if I launch ads for my Instagram, it's just money that flows out and there's no return. So I developed a course because at least that's a vehicle, an engine for the whole brand. And, and that makes absolute sense because I can gather up people and they can learn how to do the same thing. And I think that's super cool. So my new mission is, you know, we've seen the Amazon FBA trend, the dropshipping trend, the SMMA trend, but name one famous affiliate marketer. It's very hard to do so. There are very few, if not, you know, maybe some old guys, but I want to make affiliate the next cool thing. And I want to be at the top of the wave and... Uh, my life is a testament to it. I said it at the beginning of the show. I feel a word changed my life, but in, in general, I feel it. And I think there, I got so many friends reaching out asking, hey, we were in school together and now you're living this life. I cannot put it together. What did you do? And I was like, I did this. And I started sharing this more and more. And it just became for me a mission to just, you know, make a feel it the coolest thing on earth. And obviously that benefits me directly if i'm riding the wave and i'm building this wave myself so so do you think I'm it's doing. do you think it's important to promote your personal brand oh yes yeah, that was a question yeah i think so like like let's think let's forget about the fear marketing let's take you know creators like the creator economy let's take a logan paul or mr beast through their personal brand they became more influential and significant than so many other media companies. And why? Because they established a well personal brand. So these are the new form of media companies. And I don't think even a Mr. Beast, even though he's so smart, he's building billion dollar ventures, I still think that he still didn't understand how much of an impact he actually has in the moment. And we'll only be able to understand it 10 years from now. Like I still, we don't grasp, you know, or a Joe Rogan, holy smokes, like, Jorgen is so influential. Like these people, they have, you know, they 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 start a podcast, they start whatever, people follow them, they're way more influential. Like I think Jorgen even said it recently, or I heard it uh, a snippet of his podcast that politicians would reach out and try to not like um drive the the narrative of their campaign through through his platform. Um it, it's something so um connected with you know, users on social media platforms that it feels so genuine that it's so important to establish a personal brand. So I don't know the context of the guy you interviewed that said that the personal brand is not important. Strongly disagree. Uh, you can make, like, I made all my money without even talking about it. So now that I'm talking about this, I, I'm, you know, it's, 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 it's something new. And I hope this, you know, I, I believe that down the line it will pay off very well. But you can be a silent affiliate and make no money and have some agency doing the, the stuff for you. But are they going to speak as you would? I, I highly doubt. So it's very hard to, you know, um, do that. So you should be in charge of your own personal brand. You should take uh, care of it. And it's very hard to communicate to the outer world what you have in your inner world. And 
the bridge that connects these two worlds is your creativity. And no one can do it better than you uh, in first uh, in first line. And of course, you will need help people to you will need help from people to support you doing that. So that's all I'm doing right now, and I want to spread this message. I continue living my life. Nothing is staged. I love skydiving. I love everything I'm doing. I love boxing, and I will continue doing it. And I just documenting what I'm doing. That's Gary Vee says. Document. Don't create. Just document. That's what I started doing. Last question. You said you've done all the dope shit there is to do. What's the dopest shit you've done? Dopest. Okay, maybe the first picture that comes to my mind is I I went to the Maldives and I skydived there. Um, I hired my mom. I do what the fuck I want all, all year long. And the first thing I did when I became a millionaire was buying all the food I wanted. So I think that's very dope for me. I love food. So <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, the dopest dude. shit I could. <laughs> well, Miami, Alex. by the way, I love food in Miami. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we'll get you down to Miami for a future event, man. You crushed this episode, bro. Like seriously, unbelievable value. Our viewers are going to love it. We loved it. We'd love to have you back on later this year at a future date. But for myself, Josh from OfferVault.com, Adam Young from Ringba, Chad King from Ringba, as well as Alex B. Cole, the CEO and founder of Scalers. Let's make that paper. Let's make that dough. This was the Affiliate Marketing Show. We will see you next time. Affiliate Marketing Show.